We don't get Ajahn Suchito here very often, so please, you know, any anything around any aspects of Dharma, self inquiry. Yeah. When experiencing feelings and emotions, is it part of the practice just to be with the pain of it, just to <laughs> keep watching and experiencing the suffering of being in friction with what's actually happening. <laughs> it's a simple phrase, be with. <laughs> it's a matter of whether you can maintain presence, coherence. If it's extremely painful, nothing hurts so much as psychological emotional pain. Physical pain, much less. Uh, much less often. Uh, so this really saturates yeah. so there's no point in just re-traumatizing you know so there has to be enough the simple word to be with or the phrase to be with is de- deceptively, disarmingly simple because to be with takes quite a lot of um, stable ground and that's what we need the body for. And that's first establishment. Second establishment is to use your, your thinking mind in a careful way. It's recognizing this is extremely... Um, prolonged, uh, chronic, if it is. Okay, so let's just edge away from the topic, get that embodiment steady, and then try to soften the focus on the topic and feel the energy of it. It's unpleasant, unpleasantness, fierce, pushing, turmoil some kind so then begin to even kind of verbalise that actually as it is so this is, we might say turmoil or sharp or heavy so now we're moving away from angry, upset disappointed, betrayed, you know, which are very volatile. If you use these words, it would just stir everything up again. It's going to turmoil, pressure, heavy, incisive, you know, and then, okay, with that, and then can you manage it? So you've got to listen also to, I can barely manage this. You barely manage it, you've got to kind of back off a little bit further till you get to a place where you can manage to be with that. It could be a pretty wide wide uh, aperture you know I keep my eyes open where the space around me ground beneath me I can I just about manage it you know I can stay coherent because you cannot transform the, the, the experience unless you have a coherent basis otherwise it just keeps like a whirlpool just keeps sucking in again so we get that, okay, that's 
I mean, then <clears throat> you find with any powerful emotion, there's going to be the natural reflex to try to stop it happening. You see, you get that contracting, pushing, activation. The next step is, is it possible to any degree to, to stop resisting it? Which is very, very uh, precarious. Because we resist it for a very good reason. <laughs> so you've got to establish a strong enough foundation you know, to not resist unpleasant feelings. Uh, uh, but that, if you can cultivate that, work on that, then the narrative disappears, the story disappears. You know, the narrative disappears, the story disappears, and eventually the self disappears. And there's just heart. And however that pain is experienced which sounds like horrible but actually at that point it's possible to let go not to discard trivialize shrug off suppress blame (laughs) or the kind of other things that we strategize actually it's like pain hits the heart and when we don't resist it, then what happens is the natural quality of the heart is to be open. Now, when the heart is under pressure, it contracts. But actually, when it's something sticky in you, you contract around it, you hold it in. So, the same with the emotional body. If it contracts, it actually keeps that there. If it uncontracts, it drops out. Uh, and it's the body energy, or the embodied energy, that does the dropping, not the willpower, not a decision, not something you can make happen. What you can encourage is that stability and presence and relationship to, to pain, which is indeed sympathetic. Yeah. And then encouraging, yes, is it possible to be with this? You know, you know, so you're not rehashing the whole thing. And defending doesn't doesn't work. Feel it. And then widen, soften. The body will then flush those energetic traces away. And for sure there'll be emotion will move around. Uh, we might feel relief, we might feel grief, we might feel flush, we might shake or something, but that's that's the tail end of it. So being with is, is a deceptively simple expression <laughs> of what it takes. Yeah. And sometimes it takes quite a bit of time before one's ready. It's too overpowering, too much. That's the way I sense it anyway. Thank you. When dealing with powerful emotions, 
the foundation that you speak of, that's built from continuous practice, being aware of what we just practiced before. Mind, mindfulness. Yeah. Mindfulness of the body internally. So in, in the teachings on mindfulness, you have the body external, the body internal. And they support each other. External body is that tactile sense that we're quite familiar with. And that acts as a kind of fairly stable container. Then within that, you feel the energy body, which is pretty much moving around. <laughs> and so the, the external body helps to stabilize the inner body. When the inner body is stable and balanced. It can then, and you're mindful of that, then next is feeling. So if you look in the Satipatthana teachings, I'm sure you're familiar with this well, you have body, feeling, citta, dhamma. Right? So body, internally, externally, external body, walking, sitting, standing, lying down, moving around, there's a body doing this. You know? Internally, you know, a body feeling warm or aroused or comfortable or stressed or tense or relaxed, it's internal body mindfulness of those fact is that if we put those two together <laughs> and we're mindful of it the body begins to you know release because it wants to come into balance again if we think about it it doesn't if we try to push it it doesn't but if we're just mindfully aware of it with no agenda it tends to do that. And when that that proper system is acknowledged, dwelt in, sensed, familiarized, so that you know, then you can manage feeling. Uh, now you think, well, but the fact is, unfortunately, that one has to familiarize because what's often happening is the external body sitting in a car. And the internal body is completely closed down because you're thinking about something. So there's no, no proper relationship. And sometimes people don't even realize there is an internal body apart from organs. And so we neglect it. And uh, we, we operate in ways that are extremely unhealthy for our vitality system. We compress it. You know, We push it beyond its normal capacities um, we don't feed it on proper things like fresh air cleanliness balance exercise that helps to properly massage the internal body so then the system doesn't work it's all clogged up you know people get so tense and tight and it gets locked as almost like a way of life you see, and it's all closed down. So everything that's felt is either just like, dislike. Dislike, push it away. Like, hold on to it, very simply speaking. Well, that's not going to work. <laughs> is it? You know, you can like this thing or that thing, get it for a while. But when you come down to your own emotions, you can't say, oh, I don't like that emotion, get rid of it, I'll have one of those. (laughs) 
I'll have some happy feeling. It does not doesn't <laughs> that simple system doesn't work. You see, but the person who hasn't realised that the interior, they're just you doing what this thing can do, which is get up. You can't that doesn't operate on that on this internal level. You can't do that. <laughs> yeah. But if you're proper mindfulness is established a proper balance and a proper uh, health if the internal and external then feeling arises we feel it. it and then okay and then unpleasant feeling moves through unpleasant feeling moves through you know and then uh, this of course is the, the sort of like the process, very simple process, that we can then bring to bear upon our emotional our memory of which we are all saturated you know uh, even sometimes things we don't remember suddenly come up because the emotional body extends at least through this lifetime perhaps beyond you, know, you get even things like we were talking today about, um, you know, inherited traumas. People remembering events in the Second World War. They weren't in, but it was their granddad. So, you know, your emotional body extends as far as your energy body. And that extends beyond this thing. So then we're starting to feel this strange feeling of disease. What's the problem? What's going on? I don't know. I feel... Uh, you know, you don't have to know really, but you do very simply right in the central. That's unpleasant feeling. Okay, don't need to get the story really. Just need to know unpleasant feeling, and how do I return to openness? Pleasant feeling. Get a bit excited. Okay, and I return to openness. And again, that process of managing feeling, very significant, very significant, because this um, means we don't get um, hoard, we don't get greedy, uh, we don't get violent, resentful, because unpleasant feeling. Okay, that's one of them. You're not going to kind of you know, keep rehashing old, scratching old wounds. <laughs> you know, you can clean it. Uh, you know, and then feeling, and then you see what does feeling, feeling, third satipatthana, feeling, body, feeling. If you know how to operate around feeling, then you're getting right into chitta, which is heart. Heart does this around feeling. And of course, it doesn't just do that, it also does that, 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 you know. It reaches out or it pushes away. So when we begin to sense feeling is just this, you don't need to rush out or push it away. The chitta becomes very open, uncontracted, expansive. Oh, this is, this is pretty nice. So then the, all these various dhammas of, you know, aversion and craving begin to, they don't have any foundation. 
That's one way of looking at that satipatthana. You know, the Buddha said, this is the direct way. Direct way. Straight, direct way. For the elimination of sorrow, pain, lamentation, grief, despair. Purification of being, realization of nibbana. The direct way. When you actually listen to it, it's so moving. It really didn't want people to suffer. <laughs> this is the elimination of sorrow, pain, lamentation, grief, despair. What's this? It's this emotion, afflictive emotion. Yeah. This is not some kind of religious theory. <laughs> this is direct human experience. Uh, that he's trying to f- give us a way through. Yeah, and then you think, well, yeah, that's that's me too. If self-inquiry is to bring us to a place of open-heartedness, why do we carry all these stories with us? How, how has that come about? They've become so important to us. Uh, it's a it's a habit, <laughs> like, like many habits. It's not really that rational. <laughs> well, you know, all of us as human beings, we're all equipped with memory, the usual function. You remember what your name is. <laughs> you know, if you've met people with Alzheimer's and dementia, you realise, yeah, it's actually not a permanent thing it's actually quite a gift that we take for granted you know you remember people's names you remember who you are you remember how to operate this you remember how to operate a toaster you know all this kind of stuff you have memory that's a useful function but then of course you remember all kinds of stuff it's like a like a vacuum cleaner it just sucks up everything <laughs> you don't. and what we remember generally, is what strikes us as most important. Right? So, what strikes us as most important? Feeling. What kind of feeling strikes us as most important? Pain. (laughs) Pleasure. (laughs) So that's a very important thing. Very important when you're a little baby, you want to, ooh, ah, that's how you find out, isn't it? Now, so that's your fundamental memory system. The other aspect of memory is you remember who you are. Again, this is not something that you can lose it. People can lose memory who they are. It means there's some kind of reference to, oh, yeah, I'm the same person as I was yesterday, that's me, all right. Something does a kind of a photograph of this system. That's me. That's where I am. That's me. Yep. So we remember that. That's the basis. That's the ongoing basis. That's who I am. That's me, all right. And these feelings happen to me. Right? So we have both a sense of a, a basis, which is actually a memory. 
and we have that which we find significant, which is a feeling. So I remember the things that bother me, excite me, and I've got to keep them. Because that's what that basic memory does. It says, remember this, retain this. So we establish ourselves like a piece of flypaper. <laughs> you don't decide this is kind of what happens, yeah? Like a piece of fly, everything sticks to it. But unfortunately, <laughs> it's not all good, is it? But you can also uh, recognize that um, a lot of our functioning is based upon memory, right? Uh, you remember, you learn at school, spelling, grammar, memory, right? Arithmetic, memory, I mean, geography, memory, memory. You've got to pack all this information in, conceptual stuff, so it becomes very important. If you get all that information in, you're going to get good grade at school, you get a good job, it's very important. You remember all kinds of behaviour. This is polite, this is not polite. Right? This is friendly, this is not friendly. This is people find this humorous, they don't like that. So you learn all this, so you learn a lot and you retain it all. Yeah. As part of the equipment that's needed. Uh <laughs> So it becomes very full. And there's a holding to it for orientation. To orient, so, you know, for orientation. I've got all the facts, I've got all the figures, I've got the information, I'm okay. So we, there's a sense of this is, you know, there's a, we often remember all kinds of things that's completely useless because the habit is to keep fixing on things. Uh, and so that's that's the habit. So you get cluttered. I remember on our first day at school, I was quite a um, interested little boy and liked to learn all kinds of things. Before I went to school, I was studying, learn how to read, because I was really I love I was I'd walk around going, what's that, mum? What's that? And she'd spell it out for me. So I was learning to read. I was learning to do arithmetic, so I've got my seven times table all remembered. Seven sevens are forty-nine, seven eights are fifty. I can still do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking, and I was like, I haven't got my eight times table. I only got eight twos of sixteen. I'm going to nursery school, and I was sure they were going to beat me if I didn't know what eight fives were. So I said, Mum, what are eight fives? It doesn't matter. Mum, Mum, they're going to beat me. <laughs> If I don't have this memory. <laughs> of course they didn't they do anything like that. But you know, we, re- we retain a lot of things because of that insecurity, anxiety. Make sure I got all the facts. All the information. So it becomes a kind of a compulsive sense of self-judgment. I'm I'm solid because I can remember all this stuff. Is it like trying to keep the ego? Yeah, yeah.
exactly because that's it you keep that yeah. thing going you keep your fly paper yeah. <laughs> waving around in the air and that's really what the stories are and that is your free because every time you go somewhere you can say yeah I know what eight eights are <laughs> well, come on <laughs> I haven't got much further than that <laughs> but particularly obviously facts and figures also uh, you know, you've got interesting story you can tell people. You've got uh, behaviours that you've learnt that people find interesting or attractive or something. You learn style, you learn fashion. I love you learn. the interesting stories I tell myself. You know, <laughs> when I try to keep my, my ego and, and and go. But I think what you're saying is is really interesting. And you know, what you were talking about with those uncomfortable emotions. Because that self-inquiry, it kind of um, it kind of leads you past the stories. When you're uncomfortable, hey, uh, I sort of find only in my <laughs> experience. But I, yeah, I tell myself lots of stories that try and you know, or someone might see me some way, project that on me, and I really like it, and so I'll try and uphold that. Then that'll give me a lot of stress. And anxiety <laughs> to try and hold that when it's not true of who I really am, but um, yeah, that's yeah, it's okay to just share. Well, memory, you know, memory is it's just a function. The problem is the flypaper. You don't want to be a flypaper, do you? <laughs> Absolutely not. But still, I have flypaper. <laughs> So, you know, because some it's just like fact, like I, I know the capital of Uruguay, you know, whatever, great. That's, so what? That's okay. What it is, I just remember that terrible thing I did five years ago. Oh, God. That's when it's not okay. And, uh, you know, and then you need to know how to, how to clean, clean your flypaper. Not through saying I didn't do that, mm. I did. Yeah, absolutely. I did, mm. but you recognise when you're dealing like obviously if you're doing eight eights or sixty four, that's true all the time. But your your emotional memory is not an accurate. Mm. It's not. It's not objective. It means it changes. That means it's subjective. Uh, so I, I certainly I remember you know well I remember I have had memories come to me uh, when I've been as living as a monk and meditating I feel really quite you know saturated with remorse over things I did when I was 18, 19 it didn't bother me at all at the time <laughs> not much you know so what and I think oh my goodness a shameful behaviour <laughs> What was it? Do you still look back at that? At well, it, it's not a matter of looking back. You, it's not a, if it's the really, really heavy stuff. You don't look back; it jumps up at you. Yeah. <laughs> so, how's that for you now when you look at that young boy? Like, what what feeling is for you now? Well, that, that boy. Up, like you said, you felt shame when you were. Oh, there, that, that, you were that, there. Well, he wasn't a boy what then. He now? was a, he was a adolescent. Uh, I think. Oh, how sad! You know, this is this is. Um, human being 
typical, typical actually, uh, sense of shake your head and this guy get a bit better wise up. I don't feel saturated with remorse. I feel a sense of uh, regret, but also a sense of sobriety. This is what happens. This is what happens if you don't get the right guidance, if you follow your, your heedless impulses, if you, you know, do this and the other. This is what happens to human beings. And you're lucky it didn't get worse. And you see a lot of the young ones, and they're really just trying to, they're really just trying to find themselves in a place where they haven't, they haven't had that guidance. And, and it's pretty full on, but it's, I see a beauty in it too. You know, that they're actually doing all this stuff in a clumsy manner, and, and for us it looks really full on, but, yeah. I, you can, uh, you know, people can definitely lose it, though. I mean, we've got such potent stuff to... to we seem to have a gift for destroying ourselves, seems quite... <laughs> <laughs> and obviously it's anything like drink, drugs, uh, fast cars, stuff like that can kill you. And does, you know. Uh, we're, sort of, we're sort of born into a world that's kind of quite jarring for for who we are as as you know in our in our complete natural self. It's quite jarring in this world. I always wonder whether that's a lot of the damage that we we sort of turn around on ourselves because we're quite, you know, when we come back in, we're quite. Um, yeah, it's, it's very adverse to our natural state of being. So I sort of, it's quite a navigation to, to rebalance and then not let the world really affect yeah, us. Absolutely. It's, it's, an, it's an ongoing ongoing practice because it keeps the tides keep washing over you. Tides of the world keep washing over you. It's an ongoing practice to find your own feet, stand your own ground and... Um, I would suggest that not everybody even knows their, their natural state. You know, you're saying it's, it's, these things are injurious to our natural state of being. Not everybody knows that. There is a natural state of being. Yeah, but yet we, I, maybe not the mind or, or the, but, but I think we're, regardless, we're still unpacking to try, you know, like, like you said, but what can we let go of? And what can, um, we, what can we take in also, remember? And I think everyone is actually doing that, but, but not, with, not with the mind or, or, or what, they, what, what is there, but there's something there where they're trying to move towards that always. I mean, everyone in this room has come not necessarily, I don't know my natural state, you know, not necessarily for that, but yet we're still... We're still going towards it. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, uh, I would suggest that that it's not necessarily 100% of the global population is <laughs> on the right track. Uh, the natural state, you see, uh, you know, when you've been indoctrinated and fed. And often, sometimes people arise in such a damaged environment, the whole energetic system is already twisted in defense, closing down, 
you know, because they're arising in a threat environment. So they don't actually know what a natural state is. They're familiar. There's a difference between a familiar state and a natural state. The familiar state can be extremely distorted. That becomes your baseline. Yet sometimes in that same in that same adverse environment, you find that natural state well How? because you you see quite clearly mm. because it's so adverse. Sometimes within those, I guess like the, the mud and the below it. Sometimes in those spaces, you know, I, you know, it's kind of like I've seen sometimes the most beautiful people that that bring joy to my heart and then they're in the, the worst environments possible and um, and I just I, I sort of walk away feeling um, completely out of my natural state you know what I mean? well I mean there's environments and environments because the environment that really counts is your inner, inner environment yeah. you know and so if you're living in an environment of mistrust, you generally need some help to, to yeah. regain, you know, which is often what spiritual friendship does. Yeah, yeah. And that, like, there's some incredible emotions you were talking about. You know, like I find those emotions are, like maybe I've been in an environment of mistrust or an environment of something. They come into my everyday life. So yeah, that was... Nice to try. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, can I ask a question? Do you think that, um, that as you go on the path, it's possible that you could experience suffering more because you become more aware of it? And, well, that's what it feels like to me. I don't think that it's, it's because of circumstances, but it feels like I've become more aware and I'm, I have to feel it inside me and it feels like I'm experiencing it more and wondering why I didn't experience it when I was younger and sometimes remembering things. You do get more sensitive yeah. um, which is necessary <laughs> because uh, if, you, if you're sensitive then you begin to well monitor your own behaviour in terms of that's not quite right or that's not comfortable or that's you know, not the right time that's very important and you're sensitive to each other this is where the suffering occurs around this stress and so forth so you, yeah you do experience it more but you only but <laughs> the theme is to experience it in a way where you can also experience the cessation of it so sensitivity alone is inadequate there's this sensitivity and that open balance that allows whatever sense to be felt and move on because I feel that I can see that sometimes but it's not able to happen all the time And that's where inquiry has to go to what's holding this. Can you be aware of that which seems stuck without trying to explain it or push it away? 
when you meet feelings and if you recognize the, the, the more direct so the direct feeling not not feeling about something but the direct feeling and the awareness goes reaches over that into into the place where there's peace or steadiness that and just keep that process going and some things take longer time than others depending on how deeply embedded that experience is you know, feeling has a very formative effect you know what is felt well, like the grit in an oyster you know, what is felt there's a whole movement of energy around it about that impact movement of energy around it now if it's repeated and chronic that energy gets pretty much set in place you know like a, if you have a magnet it will form those iron filings into a particular shape a feeling acts like a magnet energy pulled into a certain shape and around that shape we get various psychological um, actions or programs start to occur to either compensate for it or to handle it or to you know build upon it and that, then the self arises around that sense of self so feeling acts almost at the very germinal seed of the experience of selfhood around in the psychologies the attitudes that operate around those of course self is a constantly changing thing we look at it you know but it still retains that same fundamental impression certain footprints you know and certain footprints certain thumbprints to it oh there's me there's that one that's the emotional impression of self you know and right within that these seeds of of feeling or, or particularly a remembered feeling that's been kind of stuck there um, so you know to, to actually move through all those layers takes quite a sense of patient inquiry uh, it's not self it's not a person it's an energy it's a psychology and it's a feeling and that's the moving through it if I take a simple example so you know here I am <laughs> so say so there I'm a Buddhist monk or someone who believes in peace and harmlessness and love and so forth and then I'm getting this really unpleasant memory of what this other monk did that was that was five years ago. So oh, it's just another person, doesn't matter. Still still got that painful memory. You know, he betrayed me. I gave him trust and he betrayed me. Ah oh, well it's all over now, you know. <laughs> Get over it and move on. <laughs> yeah, I'm really uncomfortable with that. 
oh, it doesn't matter, you know, it's his karma. All the stuff you do, you know, <laughs> that you do to just, because here I am, decent person, doesn't matter, I can, I can get bigger than that. Emotion keeps coming back. <laughs> that, that really hurt. And then the sort of balanced, composed monk disappears. <laughs> and there's just this being feeling really quite hurt. And not confident, balanced, wise monk, just a hurt heart. <laughs> and the self begins to disappear. Now we're getting closer. And then, yeah, really, what was the real point? And I trusted him and he betrayed me. You know, taking that back again, I, try, I I opened him and he betrayed me. Okay, let's just stay with that, and then let's go right down to the point of the arrow. You know, then, you know, so it's no longer even the topic anymore. It's just, what does it feel like to be betrayed? What's the pin that's sticks in the heart right down to the point of the pin just feeling heart feeling really no longer a person no longer a topic just vulnerability tenderness vulnerability hurt okay stay there feel what's being felt feel what's being felt somewhere, then processes take their own course. Things happen by themselves. In, uh, yeah, in my sense, something comes up, everybody gets this. Everybody gets this, at some time or another. Yeah. Probably quite a few of us do it to each other. compassion you know it's no longer me uh, that's that come to me that comes after you know I'm not trying to add that to it but that kind of realization of just wow this is what it's like to be human and how how we can cause each other such incredible pain you know, through a lack of lack of love and sensitivity I must be more careful that I don't betray somebody's trust. You know, so it's it's kind of all useful learning in its own way. Um, but the learning, in my my sense, is that first of all the arrow has to fall out, and then then the learning you begin to piece together. Uh, you know. What, what you need to know. You know, the mind is like a mouth. Heart is like a mouth. It takes everything in. Yeah. And a, you know, a ba- baby's mouth. A baby's like a completely open mouth, isn't it? It's kind of <laughs> right. 
So you have to be very careful with the baby. Just don't put that in your mouth, you kid, because the baby's just like that. Well, the heart's a bit like that. <laughs> Sometimes you need to know, just don't take a hook into your mouth. <laughs> Even if it's got a cherry on it. <laughs> and as fits, you just you'll say, just take it to the edge of your lips. That's enough. Some things you just take a little bit. Just the edge. Take it somewhat. And then some things you take into your mouth. And some things you... I'll swallow that. But don't swallow everything. You know, you've got to do that discriminating process. So tastes nice, but that's enough. Yeah. And then, oh, it tastes very good, but it'll pass. And then some things, oh, take in wisdom, take in compassion, take in clarity. Yeah. Take that in all the way down. Won't do you any harm. So that mouth needs some guidance, and it's. uh, I find it again. I don't know how people manage sometimes. Just the 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 amount of input that's that's saturating the senses, not just the visual input, but the the messages underneath it. More, hey, more, new, faster, quick, yeah, yeah. These are bad people, these are good, these are bad people, do this, don't understand for that. All these kind of messages of greed and hatred just coming in. You know, people just washed over with. So we need that. (laughs) I know it, but I'm not taking it in. It's It's not, I don't know it. I know it not taking it in. I know it, I know the sweetness of it, but also know the danger of it. I don't take it in. There's some, that's something we need to, this is what inquiry does, it keeps you intelligent about your input. Once it's in, (laughs) some of it takes quite a bit of time to get Get it out, you know. <laughs> I'm wondering, how do you develop the level of understanding and insight that you have? How how was that developed over time? And was that through practice? Or was it meant through meditation? Was it partially through thought? Um, was there insights, that kind of thing? Time. Probably the major, major feature of it. So you could do a lot over and over again. Time, discernment, getting to the point. Um, various forms of guidance, such as modelling. You see this person; she's pretty straight, pretty clean, pretty nice to be with, you know, this is, that's interesting, you know, so you, you, you get some inspiration, and you're noticing what they do and what they don't do, well, yeah, that's, that's the way it is, you know, you learn from people's behavior, and so that, certain amount of books start book learning, or 
conceptual learning, you know, you can read things and ideas and so forth, take it in. Uh, but probably, I suppose when it all comes together, it's someone who actually walks you through a process, <laughs> saying, look, see this? And now look at that. Now, now see this, yeah? And now, 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 now slowly, look at that. Now, yeah. now how does that feel? Mm. Now, that came from there, right? <laughs> and I've been there too, and that's okay. You know, that's I can, not blaming, just notice that, 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 that. And, you know, oh, yeah. You know, actually walking, somebody can help walk you through things is really helpful because we're not books. You know? And sometimes that's actually, I mean, I very lucky if you get someone who actually does it personally it may happen for a, an in, you know an instance you might have an encounter that helps you with that but often it's you know somebody giving a talk and you think that's an interesting story well because you, you're listening to a story with a voice tone to it it actually walks you through a scenario and you think, yeah, ah he went that way that's, I would have gone that way. He went that way. So you get a, you know, you get those anecdotal things are also very helpful, you know. and it helps. I think it helps when you hear it from a human being. There's something about how our system really changes in its receiving the human being. It's a different system than the one that receives the book because it's much more fully attuned on an emotional level, on a heart level. And that's nature. So that's, that's how you can, one can learn. I must admit, frankly, a certain amount of learning is banging your head against the wall until you recognize it hurts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a good amount of it it's like that. You want to keep suffering or not? <laughs> but it shouldn't be like that, bang, bang. <laughs> So that's a certain amount of it. And then once you begin to get the reference points, okay, when there's a strong sense of self, pretty soon there's going to be some suffering coming up. <laughs> you know, when you get a strong, strong opinion and view, mm-hmm, Looks like you're about to suffer. <laughs> you start to get you start to get the maps, you know. Clinging. Clinging. Suffering. You know, so you start to be, build up the maps in, in that's that experience. Oh that's what it means. It means that. When I feel really firm and convinced and I need this and I want to have that. That experience is called clinging. <laughs> oh. And notice what happens. I want more. Where's it gone? Why did it break down? What's wrong with him? <laughs> Suffering starts to happen. Stress starts to happen because things can't be clung to. But you don't need to know it there. It helps to know it there, but essentially it's got to trickle down to where it, the, where the clinging occurs, which is very much a, re, a reflex. You know, you've got to then working on a reflex, you can't just do it from your head. You learn, you get the idea, and you've got to translate it into your own experience. 
So that's how you learn. That's why it takes time. It takes time. And it's important to do your own learning in your own pace. Because if you have if you're sincere and you're interested, you'll learn what you can learn at the right time. This is what you're ready for now. That's what you can learn. You'll learn what you're ready to learn. Other bits, good idea, haven't got it yet, not there yet. John, I have a question about um, finding the balance between cultivating and allowing and accepting. Can you explain what cultivating means? Cultivation skillful means, like in our meditation group at the moment, I've been working with Joe Shepherd, who's our teacher, some of our teachers. Uh, we're doing the ten parami, so this kind of this intentionality of cultivating uh-huh. the skillful qualities. Mm-hmm. And yet there's this other sense of they're already here and allowing them to emerge. It's just like that balance of sometimes. I have the sense, and I think it's just part of our culture, that I'm cultivating. Instead of trusting that the quality is here and uncovering it more. Do you sort of know what I mean? <laughs> um, well, I can say what I think. Am I allowing or am I cultivating? Well, cultivating is a good word, actually, because put a seed in the soil and allow it to grow, it will grow, won't it? Provided there's rain, and the cat doesn't dig it up, and the sun. So you, what you do, you cultivate the qualities that will support something <laughs> to grow by itself. Uh, <clears throat> now, sometimes this means actually that can be kind of like uh, almost you know, you know, sort of growth that occurs quite gently, and but also you can put yourself into situations that will, in a way, you know, firmly arouse that 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 growth, you know, and that's where you do you develop parami. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all potencies. That we have, they're not foreign words. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you say cultivate e- equanimity, generally that means you, you to do that you be in a situation where there's a lot of praise and blame going on. <laughs> then you get okay. <laughs> like, you know, if you want to find balance, then you want to strengthen your balance, you start pushing against it, then your body starts to no, I'm not going that way. You know, so then your balance, your balance in the capacity gets stronger. So we have cultivations that almost test and, and you like potentize our parami. So loving kindness, quite nice, lovely thing when it's people we like. Let's get some people we don't like. <laughs> you know, reflect on those and see if you, if you can stop the tide of aversion. <laughs> or fear or resentment creeping in, then you're developing 
greater strength because you're actually resisting the forces that would cause that to collapse and we need in a way to to you know tap into those qualities and then start to test them because that will make them grow stronger that's one aspect of cultivation another aspect which is gentler which is to really value treasure and deepen into that very quality itself such as the quality of just mentioned metta loving kindness let's just really feel the experience of that deepen into it so it becomes something almost like a quality that i've almost disappeared there's just this sense of warm-heartedness so let the whole system stretch itself in that it helps to clean out residues of cynicism or bitterness or grumpiness you know it helps to clean clean the system so that's another way you develop it you, know, you actually lingering in it and taking it as a as almost a, like a, a quality that you like any almost like a physical quality that you pick up and you really go into it and that will also strengthen it mm-hmm. yeah. <clears throat> and of course uh sustaining it <laughs> so it's not you know so it sustains you you keep it going for a longer time that also that's another way in which we can in a way put some intentionality into it but of course you know eventually you've got to make sure that the seed is actually there and you're allowing it to grow you're not trying to drag it up <laughs> come on be more that yeah. you create situations which will kindle it mm-hmm. and uh, encourage it and then test it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of that balance between striving and... Yeah, it's a really unfortunate word. I've, I've never heard a person use the word striving in any way that doesn't set my teeth on edge. <laughs> just a really uncomfortable word no, you know I, I don't mind working I don't mind extending I don't mean having a workout you know but the striving is only got something kind of strained about it I don't see straining is not what it's about it's about hey let's really get in and do some work yeah, let's build this up yeah, I don't mind doing that cultivating is nice yeah Shall we um, conclude this session?